Welcome back to Cooking the Books with me, Jilly Smith, in which food tells a deeper story. This week, to end our month of rethink and reset to save the planet, I'm with midlife mentor Sam Rice on the four food moments behind her new book, The Midlife Method. Now, I'm no fan of diet books, but I loved Sam's first book, The Midlife Kitchen with Mimi Spencer, which explores the changing relationships between the body and what we put in it over the years. And it's packed with delicious vegan and vegetarian recipes, which I use over and over again, particularly at my retreats. And perhaps diet books, which offer a more holistic approach to health, can help us rethink the way we eat and what we buy. And when better than midlife to have a reset? It is something holistic, is looking at your overall health and well-being and, and hopefully just making it into something that's just much, much more positive. As I caught up with Sam quarantining in Dubai against the soundtrack of supercars racing through the empty streets below, I asked her if the midlife method is the love child of the midlife kitchen. Absolutely. Um, I think the midlife kitchen really... Um, what, what we wanted to do with that was really to address the, the sort of change we'd noticed in our palates as we kind of moved into midlife. Um, and we really felt that, you know, it was quite a dramatic change. The things we sort of suddenly were craving were, were really quite different to, to sort of a carb-based, um, I guess more sort of, you know, when our kids were younger, we just needed fuel to get through the day. And as our kids got older, we actually just felt like we needed something a bit more to sustain our bodies, which were changing. And, you know, we couldn't really find in the, in the plethora of cookbooks um, that were out there, we couldn't find anything that was quite talking to us. Um, and at the time, I was actually living out in Bali and that had been a real eye-opener for me because the health food scene there is really quite incredible. And, you know, they use a lot of just what's around and that whole sort of uh, local food scene. One of my favourite restaurants there was actually called Locavore, and I just found that so inspiring. Um, so my good friend Mimi, who I wrote The uh, Midlife Kitchen with, she came out for a holiday and we just uh, felt very inspired by all the food that was around us. And... Um, just started putting some recipes together and talking about the things we like to eat. Uh, Mimi had, had already done a, a few cookbooks before, so she was well versed in what it takes to produce a cookbook. And um, that was really the inspiration uh, for The Midlife Kitchen. And while that bo- book really focused on um, optimum nutrition in midlife, but really from the point of view of being food lovers, you know, actual just food that we love to eat and uh, really, I, I sort of found that over the course of the midlife kitchen coming to being and people talking to me about that, um, quite a lot of midlifers were saying, you know, we, f- we feel like we're trying to do the right thing. We're trying to make the good food choices. We're, we're, we're loving these recipes. But, you know, we're just finding that as we move through this period in our, our life, we start, we're putting on weight. And in spite of our best efforts, we don't really know what to do about it. And so what I wanted to do with the midlife method was to continue with that same food philosophy about eating really great, as you say, predominantly plant-based food, but really to try and help people to, through a love of food and and developing a good positive relationship with food, uh, to try and help them drop a few pounds as well. Because I think actually really at the heart of managing your weight is good nutrition and good food and and not the kind of diet culture that we see everywhere these days and and really we have 
probably for the last 20, 30 years. I mean, we're very much of that diet generation, aren't we? Yes. I mean, and I'm very anti-diet. I think there's a tyranny around dieting and I don't think it works. I do think, however, that there's a really important lesson to learn from when people, particularly in January, particularly in lockdown, when people are thinking, rethinking about uh, optimising their diet, they become more conscious about what they're eating. And I think that has a huge impact on you know the climate for example and on buying high welfare uh, meat for example or not eating meat for january thinking about a, a more vegetarian or vegan orientated diet that actually really does help the climate but also health i mean the impact on the nhs and you know it leads to your first food moment your story and you know the impact on the nhs of a poor diet i mean tell me the story of your brother this was the reason that you wanted to write it made you start to think about the relationship between uh, health and and weight that's exactly right um i think up until the point when my brother died um which was back in 2012 uh, i was 42 at that time and i had two young children and as I say in the book, I, my own health was not really a priority. To be honest with you, I didn't really think about it too much at all. And um, my brother was quite a lot younger than me, and he did have type 1 diabetes. It was diagnosed when he was a teenager. Um, and I don't think for a minute we realised how serious it was. His um, death was a, a big shock, and... Um, we knew he wasn't particularly well and you know his his diabetes wasn't being managed particularly well by him but also it was pre-pump and you know the the, the sort of uh, medical treatments uh, there are now weren't around really so it was a big shock and I think it, it sounds so obvious to say in retrospect but that connection between what I was putting in my body and how I was feeling and how I was sort of um, I guess, in a way, not really looking after myself. Um, it took me sort of 42 years, really, to make that connection and realise how important it was. And I was starting from, you know, quite a low bar, really, in terms of food and nutrition. I had a lot to learn. Um, and it actually, that's why it's taken me eight years to write this book, because I had to do all the learning, as well as then sort of understanding about all the things that you were talking about, you know, making good choices around food and, you know, how every um, everything we eat has, has an impact not on just ourselves, but those around us if we're feeding a family. Um, and you know, more lately, we've come into this whole sustainability thing where, you know, in the last couple of years, that's really come up. Um, onto our agendas as well so it's it has become it has been really a process of education nutritional study to the point you even the thought of being able to create recipes eight years ago I think I would have (laughs) you know I just couldn't have done that so what I'm really hoping is that that process that I've gone through I've I've encapsulated all of that for anyone who might be you know, more at that sort of starting point. They don't have to do that eight years. I hope that they can just take this book, <laughs> and I've, I've I've hopefully you know put all that knowledge that I've gained, and I've put all the sort of the good nutritional advice into the recipes. But also, I hope when people read it, um, that message about developing that positive relationship with food really comes through, because that's at the heart of it I don't think that anything any kind of weight management program is going to meet with any success if you don't have that longer term 
view really it's not you know hopefully yes hopefully you, you lose a few pounds within a few weeks but it's it's not really about that it's looking about your your long-term habits and also you know just trying to get away from that toxic diet culture where everything you eat seems wrong you know you're told don't eat this don't eat that that's got too much salt that's got too much you know it's it's everything is so negative and actually we need to turn away from that and move to a more positive approach yeah and we've seen this particularly with covid um there's a very strong correlation with being overweight and uh the impact of covid um you are we know statistically that you are more likely to suffer and possibly even die from covid if you are substantially overweight so there are lots of very good reasons to get on top of your health i mean boris johnson came out and said look i'm too fat the reason i suffered so badly from covid was because i'm too fat we know that uh, obesity is very much linked with diabetes type 2 and that's really important your brother had type 1 uh, but type 2 is very much indicated by obesity so there's a really good reason to lose weight but particularly in midlife and as you say I mean midlife what what is that sort of 40 to 60 these days you know because we live so much longer um, and particularly in lockdown we're very sedentary a lot of us um, tell us a little bit about what happens in midlife and what the method is that is specifically for those of us who are living in midlife Yes, you're quite right. Um, there is quite a lot that's going on uh, physiologically when we hit midlife. And um, yes, we talk about midlife being roughly 40 to 60, but obviously can these changes uh, uh, affect people at different stages. But broadly speaking, as we head through our 40s, we'll start to see our hormones are becoming more erratic and depleted. Um, women, obviously, uh, the estrogen levels start to decline and in men, testosterone levels um, decline. So, so this can have impacts on our waistlines um also our metabolisms begin to slow down um and so what that means in real terms is that our energy requirements become less so if we carry on carry on eating the same way uh then we are likely to put on weight um and then also uh, our gut health can deteriorate as we get older so it's even more important to eat a wide range of healthy foods that are good for our gut so that we can actually get the nutrition that we need um, from the food that we're eating. So there's quite a lot going on there. And, and you're quite right to bring up um, the link between um, the severity of COVID-19 and um, midlife obesity. And um, there's a strong correlation there. And I think it's not really something that we can afford to ignore. I mean, possibly it will be a wake up call for a lot of people to really get a handle on their weight in midlife. And I'm not for a minute uh, the sort of person that wants to bring uh, you know, fat shaming into this conversation because it's definitely not about that. It's it's just a factual link between uh, the severity of the COVID symptoms and your weight. So, um, you know, I think we all have uh, a weight that we're happy with, and uh, that varies from person to person. And I do say in the book that um, actually, 
your healthy weight is is a range and it and a lot of things come into play um you know it's where you feel comfortable where you feel like um you look good and your self-esteem is high but also that there's a bit of flexibility in there so that you know if you do put on a few pounds it's not the end of the world so i like to think really of a healthy weight range a happy weight range where you can exist while living your life and your weight not having to really dominate your thoughts and i think that's really the point at that you want to get to where actually your weight becomes a non-issue and you know in your second food moment you talk about body dysmorphia um and your food philosophy is based on the idea of successfully managing our weight to make friends with food again i find um you know certainly in midlife and amongst many of my friends in midlife as well we kind of get over ourselves all that obsession with you know what we look like you know we're so happy to be here um you know being thin is often equated with illness and being healthy is about plumpness of skin especially as you get older you know you're constantly trying to get your collagens back and plumping up your cheeks again you know body dysmorphia and the diet industry. Well, tell us a little bit about that and how you've really kind of tried to deal with that in your second food moment. I think you have to look at things holistically. Um, It's a much overused word, but I think um, it's absolutely appropriate in this context because our weight management as we get older, yes, of course, it's about what we eat um, but it's much more than that is it's how we approach everything um, exercise how we manage our stress midlife is a very stressful time for a lot of people and that can really impact on um, how we eat and our, our mood and that again influence, influences our choices um, I, I speak also about alcohol in the book and how we need to moderate that as we get older so it's not just about you know stopping eating certain foods for a few weeks and dropping a few pounds it's not that it's very much about looking at how you live as a whole where you can make changes that are going to have the most impact you know where you're going to get your sort of optimum health from and you know there is a a part of living that you know it should be for pleasure as well food is for pleasure and I hope that when people read my book that comes through because it it is based on a love of food and um uh, wanting to share that with people and hoping that they can also make that switch that mental switch away from that negative diet culture that we've spoken about and develop this more positive Mm. relationship with food. If I could do that for the people reading my book, I would be utterly delighted. So um, I hope that's the message that comes through. You talk in your third food moment about eating with awareness the mindfulness and and i think that that's where the balance comes from if you understand where food comes from if you think about the farmers uh, if you think about the small producers if you think about the people who are creating the food and its relationship with the earth and and suddenly kind of restricting yourself and dieting seems just so ridiculous to me um Tell us about this mindful eating. You you call upon Buddhism as your route to eating with awareness. Yes, I I should say here I'm not a Buddhist, um, but uh, mindful eating, um, which is one of the concepts that really got me started on this whole food journey in the first place, this idea that just 
making more conscious choices around what I was choosing to put in my body was really powerful. Um, I watched a TED talk um, some years ago on this topic and it was really a bit of a light bulb moment. It seems such a simple thing, mindful eating. Yeah, of course you should think about what you're eating. But I think some people are maybe put off a little bit by the term mindfulness because it seems to have this sort of almost religious uh, context they might feel it doesn't relate to them in some way um, but really all it means all mindful eating is is eating with awareness so really it's about giving yourself permission to eat well um, it's about um, allowing yourself the time to make and prepare food and enjoy food and um I know that, you know, a lot of people say, I haven't got time, you know, I have to make three meals a day, I haven't got time to sort of give it all this this thought and this preparation. But actually, it's really about prioritising and realising that what you eat and how you eat is so important, not just to your weight, but to your whole life experience. And, you know, looking after yourself, looking after those around you that you might be feeding, looking after the planet, like you say, you're making sustainable choices if you can, you know, within the limitations that you have, just trying to do your best. Um, it shouldn't be an exhausting um, chore. It's actually something that benefits not only you, but the planet and the world we live in. So I think if you can just switch that mindset a little bit, which is exactly what I had to do as well, um, to embrace that idea of mindful eating, being a little bit more aware, making more conscious choices, thinking, you know, this is what my body actually needs and I'm going to give it to it (laughs) it's it's such a it's actually such a powerful thing um and it's one of the best tools that we have to fight back against all the confusion there is around food you know just simple truths still apply a lot of what I talk about um can be found in the Mediterranean diet about eating good simple food you know it's nothing I think the whole of diet culture is is trying to sell us the next big idea but most of what we know about food is is there and most most of the food truths haven't really changed um and what I've tried to do is just sort of cherry pick all those all those bits of really uh, common sense information and nutrition and p- package them all together to make it really doable for people you know and to try and um, show them how with a little bit more awareness and a little bit more tuning into your appetite and it's not about being pure or clean this mindful eating it's not about that it can equally be about choosing to eat something purely because you want to eat it for pleasure you know not everything that passes my lips is a complete whole food you know sometimes I want to just eat something because I love it and that equally falls within the realms of mindful eating because you know a lot of eating should be a pleasure and I think a lot of diet books diet culture has moved us away from that and that's why I don't call this book the midlife diet it's called the midlife method you know it is it is something holistic it's looking at your overall health and well-being and and hopefully just making it into something that's just much much more positive well I hope people are going to be rethinking that whole time poor narrative it's one of the 
the other tyrannies that I cannot bear. I think it's a food industry construction uh, to make us buy things in packets and uh, and not feed our families properly. Um, you've, f- interestingly, your fourth food moment is the answer to that is the kitchen tips. Um, you know, one of the, the real pluses in books like yours, Pinch of Nom, you know, which we had a couple of weeks back, um, is teaching people simple flavour bombs to make real simple cooking absolutely beautiful and a wonderful thing to do a wonderful thing to do for your family or with your family or just for yourself to really nourish yourself take really simple ingredients and do something pretty amazing that cost absolutely nothing tell us about prepping getting stuff in making those choices and some examples of your flavor bombs Yes, and I do totally agree with you on that time poor narrative thing. I mentioned it briefly, but you're right to pick up on it because um, I think it's something we tell ourselves quite a lot that we're too busy to actually feed ourselves properly. And it really, as I say, it's just about prioritising. Once you put uh, what you eat further up the priority list, um, it, it's amazing what you can achieve. And it really doesn't take as much time as you think uh, a little bit of planning a little bit of prep um i mean i <laughs> i was very guilty of this myself um I used to kind of dread having to make meals. I did see it as a chore. Um, I wasn't particularly good at it. And it just felt like a real hassle, if I'm honest. And and actually, what I discovered and, and why I included in, in the book a bit on kitchen tips, which seems so mundane and instructional, um, <laughs> you sort of think, why have you chosen this as a food moment? It's because in my experience of cooking, it was one of the things that made me enjoy cooking, to be a bit more organized to plan the meals I was going to make um, even just something simple like reading a recipe through before I began so I had got all the ingredients out and if the oven needed preheating I'd done it and I wasn't rooting around in the back of a cupboard you know with hands covered in with ingredients you know it was just all that stress could be taken out of the process and being a bit organized can actually be quite transformational in the kitchen not not just in terms of your enjoyment of of preparing food um, and now I do actually love my time that's spent in the kitchen you know it's some me time I, I even love the prep I even love the chopping you know I do find it therapeutic and that's a little bit of a cliche I know but um, it's genuinely true once you can actually start to enjoy the process of cooking it makes all the difference it takes the stress out of it um, and it actually means you get better results because you know you are um, you're, you're doing things in the right order and things aren't burning while you're trying to do something else and so you end up with much much nicer food to eat at the end of the day so there's that kind of being organized and um, preparing to cook I suppose and also there are just other things um that you know can make your kitchen life a bit easier so we've spoken about being organized having the right kit uh, making plenty so that you have some leftovers so you're not having to cook every meal from scratch you know leftovers are king is what I say in the book batch cooking and freezing is great and that's also really good for cutting down on waste which is Again, another important um, issue that I know, Julie, that you're really uh, keen to promote as well, and so am I. Um, And also just focusing on flavour. You know, there are lots of things that can improve um, your cooking using chilli, soy, particularly lemon. I call that the third seasoning. And my opinion is that there's really not much that isn't improved with a squeeze of uh, lemon juice. Ginger, garlic, fresh herbs, spices, all these things can really transform your cooking. And once you get a bit of 
um, confidence in the kitchen, you can really start to go it alone. Um, and you know, you can taste something and you'll know what it needs. You'll know if it needs that squeeze of lemon, you'll know if it needs a bit of a chili hit. And then it becomes a really creative and enjoyable process. Um, it's not just sticking rigidly to recipes. It's actually having the confidence to sort of go it alone a bit in the kitchen. And, um, that's a really fantastic thing, you know, to, to, to make, um, cooking because we do have to do it many times a week it might as well be an enjoyable and creative process thanks for listening you can buy the midlife method and all the books featured on cooking the books by clicking on the bookshop tab at julysmith.com and while you're there do sign up for the newsletter next week i'm heading up north to scotland to meet the award-winning authors of the seafood shack kirsty scobie and vanilla renwick <laughs>